Isaiah chapter 9 today. When we look at the Old Testament prophecies and we see the uh, foretelling of Christ coming, Christmas, uh, what we celebrate today as Christmas, well, this verse is one of the more well-known although there are several in the Old Testament looking to the birth of Christ. We come into Isaiah chapter 9, and today we're going to look basically at just this one verse um, and, and what, it, what it gives us here. But it says in Isaiah 9, verse number 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us be here today. Thank you for the gift of Jesus and the opportunity that we have to talk about him today. Uh, the opportunity that we, we take over this week and, and next Sunday to uh, focus in on that birth and what it means for us. And Lord, today I pray that you would help us to see this gift that was given and the ultimate result that comes because of it. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help me today as I present this passage, that I do it clearly and correctly. I'd help you, uh, ask that you'd help us to, to learn something from it or be reminded of something, something fresh today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see this verse, and again, you've probably heard it before, uh, but unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And that son that is given, the government will be upon his shoulders. And it says his name shall be called, and I love going through the names of Jesus. You can go through the names of God and the attributes that it comes, but even in just talking about the Christmas story, just the birth of Christ, uh, the several different names that are mentioned throughout Scripture, uh, starting in the Old Testament and obviously concluding in the New Testament. But here it says, His name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I think it's important for us to understand that this child that was given, was given so that I could be forgiven. The, the, the whole purpose of the birth of Christ is actually the resurrection of Christ. The whole purpose of the birth of Christ is so that Christ could die on the cross, taking on the punishment of my sins, uh, and then raising from the dead, gaining victory over those sins and over death, and then allowing and offering to me a second gift not just the gift of Jesus, but the gift that comes with Jesus, the gift of forgiveness. And God sent His Son, He sent His Son for me, and He sent His Son for you. The Bible says in John 3, the most popular verse in all of the world, for God so loved the world. All right, that's me and that's you. We are part of the world. That He gave, there's the gift, His only begotten Son, there's Jesus, that whosoever believeth on him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. The gift that is given, the gift that God gives, that we focus on this time of year, that we focus on at Christmas, is the gift of Jesus. And with the gift of Jesus comes the gift of forgiveness, comes the wonderful act of forgiveness that God pours onto me. I'm not deserving of it. Uh, I'm not worthy of it. Neither are you, no matter how much you think you are. You're not. And, and yet, God still offers it to us. And when I think about the gift of Jesus, I think about the different aspects of the gift of Jesus. Because when you think about the gift of Jesus, there is so much to it 
uh, more than just a baby in a manger. And honestly, there's more to it than even Jesus on the cross or the empty tomb. All these things are wonderful things. But the gift of Jesus, it just encapsulates so much that sometimes I think when we get to Christmas, we focus so little on what it actually means. Yes, Christ is born and, and He takes on flesh and He was born of uh, uh, the wonderful story of Mary and, and then the, the uniqueness of the story of the manger scene and then the shepherds and the angels and the wise men and all these things. And oh, it's a, it's a wonderful story and I don't mean to minimize it. But when we talk about the gift, the gift that God gave in His Son Jesus, there is so much to it. And I think this verse in Isaiah uh, does a good job of kind of collecting all the thoughts of this gift in a couple different names that is given to us here in Isaiah chapter 9. And we see here these names listed, right? It says, for he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so this morning, all I would like to do is look at these names and look at what we get in the gift of Jesus through the names that the prophet Isaiah, through inspiration of God, uh, gave to us to see. Because it, the names of Christ, the names of God, always tell us something about Him. Every single one of them tells us something about His character, about His being, about who He is. Uh, and then here, though, this, this, this Son promised, given to us, to, to ultimately offer us forgiveness, salvation. But well, we see five names given here for him, and I'd like to just look at these five names, and then we'll go this morning. Number one, I want us to look at the word wonderful. He shall be called, his name shall be called wonderful. The word wonderful here is the same word that we would get our English word miracle from. So you have this miraculous or this marvelousness about this, this son that is going to be given. When you think of miracles and Christ, the first thing you think of is his birth or his conception. He had no earthly father. He had an earthly mother and Mary, no earthly father. Another symbol, another picture, another showing of him being God and man. But we think of the story of, of Mary being told, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And her first response was fear. Uh, and, then, and, then, and then the calmingness of the angel and the telling her, you don't need to be afraid. You remember Joseph, who was engaged to be Mary's husband, was told, your fiancé is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. She's pregnant. And he goes, first thought was unfaithful. And the angel said, no. As a matter of fact, she's blessed. And, uh, and this, the, the miraculous conception uh, 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 for, for Mary and for Jesus. And then, and then we see the, 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 I would call it a miracle, I guess it could be viewed different ways, but the fulfilling of the prophecies, where they just so happened to be headed to Bethlehem uh, around the time that Mary was due. Uh, not, not a surprise, not a shock, not, not an accident. And then, but we see this, this birth in a, a humble birth, right? In a, uh, in a, in a stable-type setting. 
and then placed in a manger versus a bed or crib, whatever it may be. And, uh, and we just see this miraculous upbringing of Jesus. And then we look throughout his life and we see the many miracles that he would perform in his time on earth, the changing, uh, 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 the, the providing food out of a small lunch, the calming the storms, the healing the sick, the, the uh, giving sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, the raising from the dead, all of these miraculous things that would come. What better word to, to describe or characterize Christ than wonderful, marvelous, miraculous? The reality is, is that the, the act of Christ on the cross, His death, His burial, His resurrection is miraculous. For me especially. Because now me, a sinner, condemned to hell, unworthy of God's love, unworthy of God's salvation, now I have the opportunity to receive Christ as my Savior. And that's a miraculous thing. Everything about Christ's person is wonderful, marvelous. Um, we don't use the word marvel a whole lot anymore unless we're talking about a movie, uh, movies, right? They just, they're a brand of movies nowadays. Um, but the idea of marveling at something. I go back to, uh, I've told this story before, so I'll make it quick, but um, back uh, when I was uh, a young adult, uh, in Arizona, I just remember being out, Williams, Arizona, it's northern Arizona, and uh, just, it's gorgeous there. Pine trees, you're in uh, higher altitudes, and, and uh, at night we went out, we had a camp out there, and so we, to get cell phone coverage, you had to walk from where we stayed on the campground, and you had to walk way out this really, really long drive. Uh, kind of towards the front gate of the property, and it was a good, good little little walk. And so uh, I was, uh, I had been married for a couple months, and we were out there working in the summer, just myself. Uh, my wife wasn't with me, and so I walked all the way out this drive to talk to my wife on the phone, talk to her, and I got done. I was walking back towards the campground, and I just happened to look up and realize what I was seeing was something I hadn't seen a whole lot of before. Uh, there was no city. Williams is a very small town. Uh, it's got a railroad that runs through it that you can ride onto the Grand Canyon and stuff like that. And they've got it's a, but it's a very, very small town. So they don't have the city lights of any kind. And so all you have is the natural light, the moon and the stars. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you can go out and look at, at, at the sky where you don't have city light of any kind. It is incredible. And just the thousands upon millions upon quadrillions of stars in the sky. And I remember sitting there as, I don't know, 22, 23 year old, uh, and looking up into the, the sky and thinking, oh my goodness, this is gorgeous. Why haven't I seen this before? I'd seen stars before, and I've seen beautiful night skies before, but I'd never seen anything like this. Wide open skies, no artificial light, and just stars everywhere. And I just sat there and I marveled at it. When's the last time you marveled at something? The only thing I like about doing weddings, I'm not a, I don't love doing weddings. Uh, there's not a whole lot in it for the guy performing the wedding. So, uh, but the one thing I like about doing weddings is when the bride walks through the back door. At my wedding, I liked it. 
But when I perform weddings, the same thing. And right as before the door opens, I always lean over to the groom and I said, this is the best part. Nowadays, people are getting cheap and they're seeing the bride before the ceremony. It's, it's ruining everything. But uh, if you go traditional, you don't see the bride until she comes through. Uh, just watch the groom. It's better than watching the bride. You'll see the bride when she walks by. Watch the groom. It's, he marvels at what he sees. See, Christ is something to marvel at. And sometimes, especially as American Christians, we get, we, we water down who God is. And it may be a worldwide thing, I just know American Christians. But we water it down. We should be marveling at who He is. Because He is marvelous. He is wonderful. And to be able to take some time just to look at Christ, at who He is, the gift that God gave, and take some time to marvel at Him. Because He's worth marveling. He is wonderful. The second name we see here is the name Counselor. I'm going to ask you to turn in your, in your Bible. We'll come back to this, and this is the only passage we'll turn to, but Romans chapter 11. Uh, go to Romans chapter 11 with me and see this, these verses. We're looking at the name Counselor here. In Romans 11, in verse, we'll look at verse 33 and 34. It says, Oh, the depth of, rich, of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways, past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, and who hath been His counselor? Have you ever wondered who is the doctor's doctor? <laughs> Those are weird things I think about. The doctor's taking care of me. He treats me, handles all my issues, whatever. Who does he go to? Who is the doctor's doctor? The doctor always has a doctor. Uh, the pastor's pastor, much smaller scale, right? Um, I, I don't have a pastor. I've shared this before, but uh, my pastor uh, resigned due to sin back in 2017, I think. And since then, I, I didn't have an official pastor. I've got pastors that I love and appreciate, pastors that call and check in on me. Uh, pastors that I call when I need help. Uh, I don't officially have a pastor, <laughs> which is weird. But most, most do, but I, not, I guess older ones maybe not, but nonetheless. Um, but I've got a pastors that I go to that I'm hoping that you all get to meet on our 10th anniversary. I'm hoping that they'll be here. Pastors that I go to when I need pastoral help. Um, you know, who, who is... Who is the, uh, the president's president? He doesn't have one, right? I mean, there's different things like that. But you look at, at God, and he's called the counselor here. And in Romans chapter 11, these questions that are asked are such, such profound questions when you're looking at uh, who God is and the knowledge that he has. And it says there, the depth of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge. Two different things, right? Knowledge and wisdom, there's similarities, but they are different things. And he says, the depth of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Meaning, you're not going to figure it out. They're so deep. They're so great. They're so intense. You can search, but you'll never find. 
You'll not find the end of it. You'll not find the fullness of it. His ways are past finding out. And then it says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Who counsels God? Nobody. Why? Because he's the counselor. He's the Almighty. He's the all-knowing. He has all wisdom. He has all knowledge. The gift given to us on the day that we celebrate Christmas, the gift given to us is the gift of a counselor. Not a counselor, the counselor. Counseling, folks, is part of what I do. And the first thing that I tell anybody or any couple that I counsel is I do not have all the answers. But the Bible does. And I will do my best to show you from the Bible and give you the help that you need. Because God knows what you're going through. God knows what you're feeling. God knows the truth. <laughs> That's the hardest thing about doing couples counseling is finding the truth. Right? The wife says one thing, the husband says another thing. That's why you've got to have them in a room together so they can cancel each other out. You've got to get through the weeds a little bit sometimes. But God knows the truth, and I tell him that. If you truly want, to want help, you have to tell me the truth. That's what I tell him. But at the end of the day, I cannot help you, but God can. And so what we're going to do when we sit down together for counsel is we're going to go through God's word, and we're going to ask God to help us and, and show to us what we need to help with the issues that we're having. Why? Because God is the counselor. The older I get, the more advice I have. That's natural for anyone. The more of life you live through, the more advice you have for other people. Whether it's whatever you do, don't do it the way I did it. <laughs> or or, or uh, I tried it two different ways and this way worked out well. Or whatever it may be, right? The more you live, the more you've seen, the more you can give advice to other people, more counsel to other people. All right, God created everything. He made it. He knows how it works. He knows how it's supposed to work. God has a plan. He has a plan that is best for you, and He can lead you along that plan. He also has a path that is not best for you, that is your path, and He knows where that leads. He knows that if you take your own path, He knows exactly where it leads to. And He knows that if you take His path, exactly where it leads to. And He's the counselor, the guide that can keep you where you're supposed to be. Or get you back to where you're supposed to be. This word counselor is very simple. It means exactly what it is. It's one who gives counsel. And he was given to us to be a counselor. There have been times in life where I felt like I knew everything I needed to know in certain areas. I grew up in a, in a ministry at, at, at a church camp ministry. And when I graduated college, I went back and worked at that church camp ministry. I knew everything about the church camp ministry. I had done almost every, every aspect of the job. Not, not every, but almost every aspect of, of, of what went on at the camp I had done at one time or another. With the exception of maybe five things. 
And so we come to this point where I, I just kind of felt like I knew what was going on. I didn't need to learn anything else because I already knew everything. Now, obviously, I didn't know everything, and I didn't know what I didn't know, and, and I, I quickly found out certain things, right? When I became a pastor, got voted in at the church in Indiana, uh, I kind of went in with this mindset of, um, I need help with the preaching aspect, because I didn't do a lot of preaching before I got to the church, uh, only, only several times. Uh, but I felt like the people aspect, I, could, I had that. Because I grew up at camp, man. There were hundreds of people every single week coming through camp, dealing with all kinds of different personalities, dealing with all kinds of problems, dealing with all kinds of solutions, doing all kinds of different things. I figured that part I can handle. I got all I need help with is the preaching part. <laughs> and very quickly, God said, you are not ready for the people aspect of pastoring. And, uh, and very quickly humbled me until I came to the point where, God, I can't do any of this. I need your help for all of it. And you know what he did? He helped. And, and he continues to help. Because I, I'm still at the point uh, where I'm going, God, I can't do this. I need your help. And there are days where I try to do it on my own, and it does not work out well. But when I go to God and say, God, I need, I need you to empty me. I'm just getting in the way. Whether it's studying. right? Listen, I've never claimed to be a smart guy. <laughs> but there are times where I'll sit down to study for messages and, and I'll catch myself, my ideas, my thoughts, not leaning on God for anything. And I'll tell you what, I've learned very quickly, as soon as I recognize that, to stop whatever I'm doing, push everything away, and pray. Say, God, I need your help in this. I need you to help develop a message. I need your help in putting the thoughts in my mind uh, that I can put down on paper, that, that I can present to people that will be helpful. The sermons that I have in my mind while I'm preaching going, this is not landing. <laughs> this, this is a dud are typically the ones where people afterwards go, Pastor, you have no, no idea how much I needed that. And the ones where I'm sitting there going, man, I'm on fire. I got them. I got them. This is good. This is good. Are the ones where afterwards everybody just kind of walks out. <laughs> I'm going, I thought that was a good one. You see, I'm a vessel that, that God can use, but God ultimately is the counselor. He's the one that has all the knowledge. He's the one that has all the understanding, so much so that I'll never be able to reach everything that he reaches. And he was given as a gift to us. What a wonderful thought. He is wonderful, counselor. His name is also going to be called the mighty God. The mighty God, powerful, strong, valiant. Makes me think of the, if God is on uh, our side, who can be against us? If God is with me, I don't have to fear any man because I have the mighty God with me. God is powerful enough to overcome anything. God is powerful enough to defeat any foe. God is valiant enough, brave enough to go against anything that I fear.
sometimes when you put a guy in a white robe, you don't realize how strong he is. When you think of angels, honestly, when you think of angels that you see on a um, Christmas program or, uh, or whatever it may be, do you think of strong? Probably not, at least most of us. You put a guy in a sheet, <laughs> a robe, a uh, flowing white garment, you don't automatically go, man, that guy is strong. As a matter of fact, a lot of us kind of look at angels as feminine. They weren't. They aren't. <laughs> but that's kind of the picture we start to draw towards. And when we think of Jesus, most people think of Jesus in a white robe with some kind of sash over his shoulder, uh, maybe long hair and a beard, and we think soft-spoken because uh, that's the way he gets portrayed a lot of times. Calm, right? He is the mighty God, the mightiest of the mighty, the most powerful of the most powerful. The word meek is used in Scripture. It is power under control or strength under control. And that is a perfect illustration of Christ. Because He has all the power in the world, yet He controls it unlike any of us would do. But to understand the gift that was given to us is the mighty God. Valiant, powerful, and strong. He's not effeminate. He's not fearful. He's what you think of when you think of knight in shining armor. Only better. He has all the strength and all the might. It's a very simple concept, right? The mighty God. But how do you view the gift that was given to you? Do you view him as this little fragile baby? It's been a long time since I had a, had a baby. Um, well, I've never had a baby, but my wife had a baby. Um, Camden is 11 years old. He'll be 12 in April. And it's hard to remember just how little they are until you see a newborn again. And I mean little, right? We think of babies. We think of uh, the young kids we have in our church right now. You know, they're they're, they're walking around, waddling around, whatever it may be. And we, we think of babies, you carry them in your arm, and they're kind of, you know, here, whatever. Newborns are tiny, little bitty. And Christ given to us as a baby, even as this was the mighty God. He's not fragile. He's the mighty God, and he was given to you. The fourth name given here, we called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Wait a second. I thought this was a son given to us, yet his name will be Everlasting Father. Again, the deity of Christ prophesied for us 100% God and 100% man. God gave up aspects of heaven to come to earth, willingly, set aside, certain aspects to come to, come to earth. But he never lost his deity. Jesus Christ of the flesh, Jesus Christ born of Mary, 
uh, growing up in a carpenter's home, wandering through the wilderness, teaching a people, he was always God. And his name shall be Everlasting Father, even as that gift, he was God. Not only that, he's eternally God. From beginning to end. Always has been, always will be. An eternal reign, not a temporary reign. Every gift you'll receive this Christmas will be temporary. Every single one of them. Some of them more temporary than others, right? <laughs> Gift cards, temporary. Um, after you use them, the card itself, it does you no good unless you're really good at picking locks, I guess, maybe. I don't know. But uh, the card itself does you no good. Once, the, once the, the balance is gone, it's over with. Uh, the toy that you get your children, at some point, won't be around any longer. My parents still have toys of mine uh, two. I think they've thrown all the other ones away. My mom can't find it in her heart to get rid of the two. It was a, uh, uh, a dump truck and a front loader toys uh, made out of metal, really well sturdy toys. Um, Dan and Ann, <laughs> named them after the dogs on where the red fern grows. Uh, Dan and Ann. So uh, go out and dig in the dirt with them and things like that. And my mom still has them. They're in the garage. No one plays with them. No one uses them. No one rolls them around. They're just there. But you know what? They were a gift to me at one point. They're still temporary. Uh, clothes, temporary. Electronics, temporary. Uh, vacation, temporary. Whatever kind of gift you're going to give this Christmas to someone else and whatever kind of gift you're going to receive this Christmas is temporary. But the gift that God gave is eternal. The everlasting Father. I'll tell you what, that's something special. We, we, uh, we don't have a full appreciation of, of everlasting until, until we're there. My guess, at least. I... I don't. I don't know about you. When I start thinking about eternity, my head hurts. <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, wait. So it just keeps going and going, and the Energizer Bunny just keeps going and going and going. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. For me, I have a hard time thinking back to there, there was no beginning. That really gets me. I get all messed up when I start thinking about that. But everlasting father he's given to us as a gift an eternal gift a gift that does not fade and the bible says a gift that does not uh, rust or corrupt moths can't eat it weather can't can't affect it it does not fade in any way shape or form it is eternal and it was given to us the fifth name given here is the Prince of Peace. Safety, provision, happiness. The Prince of Peace. Peace means uh, different things to different people, but for me, peace is rest. And I've mentioned that before, but when I, when I define peace, I define it with a sound, not a word. For me, peace is... That's peace. 
He is the Prince of Peace, the Founder of Peace, the Authority of Peace. He is the Provider of Peace, of safety, of happiness, of provision. For all these things bring me peace. One commentator used this word, and I thought it was interesting. Tranquilizer. I thought, what a wonderful word. When I think of tranquilizer, I think of large animals or uh, spies. You know, a little tranquilizer. God brings tranquility into my life. If you tranquilize someone, you shoot them in the neck with a dart, they don't hurt. They're not emotional. They're not stressed. They're just out. Sometimes we get peace by sleeping, but sometimes we sleep and we have dreams. And sometimes those dreams don't bring us peace. Sometimes, to get peace, we take a vacation. But if you go on a vacation with kids, sometimes a vacation is not peaceful. There are different things in life we do to find peace, but what brings us satisfying peace? None other but the Prince of Peace. And He was given as a gift to me and to you. The tranquilizer. Here we're given five names. Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. I wonder how many of those Mary used. Maybe wonderful. I could see that one. I wonder if she ever called him Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Mary, did you call him? No, sorry. Wrong wrong song. But we're told there's a son that is going to be given and these are what he'll be known by. How does these names equate to me being forgiven? I've kind of talked about it, but the miracle of my debt being paid. The debt that I owe because of my sin is unpayable by me. It's unpayable by you. But Christ paid that debt. That's wonderful, miraculous, marvelous. The counsel and the guidance that brings me to the gospel, that leads me to the point where I understand not only do I need to be forgiven, but I can be forgiven. The strength to defeat death and sin, the power to forgive. The eternality of forgiveness. The fact that God can forgive my sin. And he says he puts it as far as the east is from the west. Gone forever. And the safety of being in God's hands. The peace that comes with the forgiveness that God offers. We look here at the gift that is given to us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. 
and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's the gift that we've been given. And may we take some time to actually focus on that this Christmas season. That this gift is so much more than a, a baby. Ah, so cute. Who cares? If that's all it is, a baby, what does it matter? No, that baby is wonderful. Counselor. Mighty God. The Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And He was given to you. And He was given to me. And He was given for anyone who would call upon His name. So if you've called upon His name, if you've been saved, thank Him for it. Know who He is and what, what is available to you. If you haven't, then today accept the gift. And back to if you have, tell someone else about it. It wasn't just for you. For God so loved the world. I'm so thankful that it wasn't that God so loved China that he gave his only begotten son. I'm so glad it wasn't that God, God so loved the southern hemisphere. He loved the world. And he gave his son so that anyone who believed on him would be saved. So start with you. And if you've already received the gift, love someone enough to go tell them about it. Because it's so much more than a baby and a neat little manger scene that was given to us. Take everything that God is and tell anyone that you love about him because he's there waiting the gift is so called under the tree they need to receive it so do your part do your part to let them know lord thank you for your word thank you for your love god thank you for this gift of jesus i pray that we would not minimize the holiday or the celebration of christ's birth or that we would see the purpose behind it, or that we would understand the fullness of it. God, may we be thankful for what you give us, not just salvation, although by far the greatest gift we've ever received, but Lord, the marvelousness of you, the counsel that you offer, the strength that you have and use for us, the eternality, Lord, the peace that you provide. Lord, the forgiveness that is offered. I just pray that you'd help us. Help us to fully grasp the gift that you offer and help us to share it with others. Lord, put on our heart a burden for those around us that we'd be faithful to present this gift to others. Lord, I know we have names on our prayer list that we've specifically prayed for. But Lord, I'm sure all of us know someone who needs this gift. So may we be faithful to share it with others, to let them know that God sent His Son for them also. And Lord, may we be able to rejoice in seeing others receive You as Savior. Lord, help us, I do pray, in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes,